This podcast is brought to you by Ideate and Execute. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, ideate massively valuable new products, or execute them to market? Then contact us today at ideateandexecute.com and get started. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future Podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your organization and what you're passionate about. Um, Well... My history is I started off as an electronics engineer, um, then started my own company. Then I fell in love with software and my company turned into a software company. I developed an ERP, comprehensive ERP system for mid-sized companies. And that was quite successful, went from the garage to 400 people, did an IPO. Nice. So that that was super exciting. Yeah, thank you. And um, so... At that point, basically, I decided what project do I want to tackle, and what struck me is how dumb software is. You know, and I was very proud of my oh, own it's software. Very dumb. It's so dumb. <laughs> right. So, what can we do about it? So, I, I took five years off to study intelligence, both artificial and natural intelligence. Uh, really, you know, all different aspects of it: philosophy, epistemology, theory of knowledge. How do we know anything? Wow. How do children I learn? You. <laughs> yeah, I was 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 passion, you know, was was really um, great exploring that and deeply understanding it, you know, how do children learn? How does our intelligence differ from animals? And, um, you know, what do IQ tests measure? And of course, what, what work had already been done in the field of AI. And so that culminated and then in me actually starting an AI company. And um, 2001, I actually uh, wrote a book with several others and three of us actually coined the term artificial general intelligence or AGI to really take AI back to its roots to build thinking machines, machines that can think and learn the way humans do. Whereas what really AI has been doing for the last few decades, probably four or five decades even, is narrow AI because the original dream of building human-like intelligence obviously turned out to be really, really hard. So people then decided, well, we'll just so- solve one narrow problem at a time and call that uh, call that AI. So I've had several companies and since 2001 and uh, focusing alt- alt- uh, alternately on R&D or development and on commercialization. And, um, you know, I love both the technical aspect. I still program pretty much every day, but also love the business side of things, interacting with customers and seeing out in the real, you know, seeing our product in the real world and seeing the company uh, prosper. So um, my current company is iGo.ai, which I started about seven years ago, but for the first five years, we were in just pure development mode, Mm -hmm. just to take the technology to the next level. And um, we've not, we started commercializing just over a year ago. And what what our core product is is a chatbot with a brain. Nice. So all the chatbots actually much better than any other chatbot I've seen so far. But go on. 
yeah, all the other chatbots out there don't have a brain. Uh, I mean, and that's, yeah. that's a fact. They basically use machine learning to just get your intent, you know, say blah, 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 something, and it triggers something. So you say, I hate Uber, don't ever give me Uber again, or trigger the Uber app, you know. And yeah. then somebody <laughs> writes a little flowchart program, you know, where do you want to go? How many people are going? And do you want UberX? So, um, so our approach is to start off with the, the cognitive engine, the brain, the intelligence that you really need that can have much deeper understanding, that can use context, that has memory, it remembers short-term and long-term, has long-term and short-term memory, can has some degree of reasoning. So that, that allows you to have a much more um, you know, successful, meaningful conversation. So that's my passion, obviously. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so what, what, what was the breakthrough here? Like what was holding us back from, from doing this earlier? Because people have been talking about AI for forever. And right. what, what is it that happened with, with you that, that made it, that made it different? Yeah. So actually it's a very interesting question um, because of course the majority of people still believe that, you know, AGI is decades away or maybe we'll yep. never have human level intelligence. Um, and of course, until we really get there, we, we don't know for sure. But in 2001, when we coined the term, uh, you know, several of us got together and we felt that hardware and software technology had progressed sufficiently over the decades that it was time for us to, you know, have another uh, go at it. And, um, you know, in this 20 years that I've been working on this now, I still feel very, very confident that we we can achieve human level intelligence pretty soon. Um, mm -hmm. And what has changed? Now, some yet? people will hear that and they'll be freaking out, and other yeah. people will be going, "This is great." Yeah, so. right. Well, I'm obviously one of those. This, this is great, uh, and we we can certainly we can certainly talk. I about say the that. sooner the better, man. I mean, right. sooner the better. Right. So you know, so what has changed? Um, it's yes. Hardware technology, I mean, when I started building machines, we had 32K of RAM, you know, that right. we had, had to work with. And, you know, it's, they're literally a million times faster. So that makes a huge difference. You know, if you want to run a little test uh, that now takes one second to run, that would have taken, I don't know, I can't do the calculation in my head, but that would have probably taken a few months, you know, to, right. to run one little test that takes a second right. now. So, um, so yes, the technology has uh, changed substantially, but to me, there's a, there's a more fundamental thing, breakthrough that hasn't happened yet, is when people, people in the AI field today still don't start off by saying, what is intelligence? and mm. really understanding intelligence first, because if you don't understand the problem, you're not gonna, you're not likely to build, uh, come up with the right solution. So people just say, hey, we have a problem to solve. We want a chess playing computer. So they then use their own intelligence to figure out how they can write a program that can play chess well, you know, whether that's through big data, data science as what is fashionable now, or through logic systems by, you know, fancy flowcharts and, and, and logic, uh, 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 steps. Um, so you really need to understand what intelligence is, what it entails before you can build something. So in, in my mind, DARPA actually describes this as three waves of AI, which I find quite useful. They, they talk about the third wave of AI. First wave was uh, logic approaches, you know, expert systems and that kind of thing. We are obviously in the middle of the second wave, which is big data, machine learning, deep learning. 
which is extremely successful in areas where statistical approaches are, are, are meaningful. Um, and, and of course, it's driven by the, the huge companies that have a lot of data, have a lot of computing power. So that's the hammer they've gotten. You know, everything looks like like a nail. Yeah. Um, and, and they make horsepower and data, right? That's horsepower and data. That's all it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they're making billions or trillions in advertising revenue. And it's very significantly improved speech recognition. It's very significantly improved image recognition. So obviously, it's very, very powerful technology, but it's not AI. It's not Mm-hmm. artificial general intelligence. No. Um, you know, so the third wave is what the topic talk about the third wave uh, is really what we call a cognitive architecture. It's where you start off by saying, what does intelligence require? And does your architecture inherently have the components required for intelligence? And the most obvious example here is, is memory um, and being able to learn one shot in real time, also to be able to reason. Now, deep learning, machine learning basically doesn't, simply doesn't have those attributes. You know, you collect a lot of data, you number crunch it, and you then create a model, but the model itself is essentially static. It's a read-only model. There's no real interactive learning happening. There's no reasoning, there's no deep understanding. So the architecture of, of deep learning doesn't really lend itself uh, you know, uh, to, to that. So it's it's basically what has changed is I think we have the advances in hardware and software um, and coupled with understanding what intelligence and having the right approach, I think we can now implement, the, you know, the third wave and, and build truly intelligent systems. Well, it's interesting you should mention that. So it sounds like it's more of a top-down approach than a bottom-up approach, right? So that's one thing. And then when you mention memory and reason, it's like a memory, I can understand how we can give machines memory, but mm. reason, how do we get them to reason? I mean, that seems yeah. a bit tough nut. Well, um, you know, they're, they're obviously different. I mean, there's deduction, which has been around for a long time, you know, that mm-hmm. you can do deductive reasoning. Uh, so you, I don't know that anybody's really tried to implement, I mean, I'm sure somebody has somewhere tried to implement this in in neural nets and deep learning, machine learning, but that's sort of really fallen by the wayside. If whereas you go back 20 years in AI, there was a lot of of formal, you know, of of formal logic and reasoning happening. So how do you bring that reasoning back into a cognitive architecture? Then, so there's deduction, there's induction, um, you know, and using context. I mean, reasoning encompasses really... a broad range of things. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that has to be uh, part of the solution is for the, for the system to be able to, you know, do induction, deduction and, uh, and, you know, disambiguation and, and things like that. And is all this ex- totally explainable or is there some black box here that people yeah. don't get a chance to look at? Yeah, no, that's a huge advantage with this approach. Uh, uh, it's, totally scrutable. Now, of course, it may get very, very complex, you know, it may, uh, but, but yes, you can, you can, uh, it's fully explainable, unlike machine learning, deep learning, which, which isn't. So that that's another huge advantage. So if, if our system doesn't produce the right results, we can go back and track exactly, okay, where, you know, where were the, the, I mean, it's not a, a true logic system in that sense, or not a traditional logic system, it's more an evidence-based system. So our system gathers evidence, 
you know, for various hypotheses and then one hypothesis will win. So you can say, well, why did the wrong hypothesis win? And then it might be because there was some background knowledge that was missing. There might be, an, you know, some bias that, that's undesirable. Uh, there might be a bug in the program, whatever, but you can pinpoint it, you know, exactly. So how does this thing, is this thing like ready to come out of the box? And then how do you, what do you do to get it ready? What's the right. box? Right. So uh, unfortunately, because, uh, you know, we're still a long way from human level intelligence. And, and one of the big problems is just the common sense knowledge that we have as humans, you know, growing up in the yep. real world uh, as kids and, you know, just interacting with the world every day. So it, that's very hard to get into the system. So it, it simply doesn't have that general knowledge. So that's the reason we currently don't, for example, try to give a, a general personal assistant like Siri or Alexa, because people could ask it anything, you know, and, and I mean, the amount of interfaces you'd need about, you know, current baseball scores and the weather and, and traffic yeah. conditions and whatnot is, is, you know, that that by itself is, is obviously a huge thing, but even to have the background knowledge of you know, what is common in different parts of the country, it will be, be different and so on. So what we do is we have a core of, of knowledge and ontology uh, and, and reasoning ability. That's the core of our brain. And that is used for all of our applications. And of course, as time goes by, that core, you know, grows and we teach it more and uh, more and more. And that's basically the common information, the common knowledge required. So right now that will be about people and places and relationships and, and, and things like that and how to start a conversation, how to end a conversation. Then we work with um, large companies to deploy our, uh, our IGO uh, into, we, we actually deploy it behind their firewall um, into their, into their you know, tech, technology stack into the infrastructure. And we then add another layer of ontology, which is specific to that company. So it's basically, you know, what are the, 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 the products, the business rules and so on that you're gonna be uh, dealing with. Uh, that's also where the APIs to their backend system will be involved. So that's the second layer. The third layer is for each individual person that interacts with the system that you have their unique history or conversation history and and you can hyper personalize it to that person so next time they interact with igo uh it it will have information from the previous from previous interactions so that that's basically how we we work at at the moment is to you know to to build these um um constrained domains basically it's still a general architecture but it, it's taught um to do a particular job. So it's taught the company's ontology as well as the tasks ontology, because you were talking about like, is it is this a subset of what it's trying to do? So I think you mentioned that the application was a, a flower company or something like that. So it would it would know like- Yeah, that's that for example. Area. Yeah, so okay. for that, uh, taking that as an example, if, if you, you know, selling gifts, it would remember what kind of gifts you, uh, you like or who you, who you buy them for, what your relationship is. You know, you bought something for your, your daughter and your daughter likes these chocolates or you bought something for your grandmother. And when you bought it, and it might be for a birthday. So then a year later, it could remember, oh, you, might, you know, do you want to, you know, buy a, a birthday present again for your grandmother? And, you know, remember what the address is and, and 
or you could say no they've moved or you want to you want to send it to their office instead of their home you know that that kind of thing so that's the ontology we make sure that the system has that ontology and then also hooking into the back end system whatever information is on the corporate database that that can also be utilized in the you know in the process Right. But that generic brain basically can be plugged into any kind of processes. So if I wanted to bring it into this or that industry, it doesn't really matter. Correct. Yeah. So we use the same brain, for example, in, you know, for for insurance, for banking, for diabetes management, um, you know, where the the second layer then, of course, will be very different because you will have the the medical terms about diabetes, you know, different synonyms and and implications. And then you might have a, a food a food database, you know, and then for the individual, you will learn, you know, do you like broccoli or do you hate broccoli? You know, so I can make recommendations <laughs> and I'll remember that for you. But yes, the same core brain is basically whether it's diabetes management or a, a retail assistant or a hotel concierge or in the car as you're, you know, managing your infotainment system and uh, or for a sales assistant for a salesperson, all the same using the same core brain. Right. But you, so, so this, you still have to feed it structured information, right? You can't just give it a whole bunch of unstructured information and have it deduce what to do with it? Yes, that that's correct. But it's as much a quality assurance issue as it is anything else. Because um, to make sense of actually what is relevant, what isn't relevant, what is accurate, what isn't re- accurate. I mean, if you just let it go to Wikipedia or your corporate documents, uh, uh, Igor could read that, but you know, it's like taking somebody off the street and, and letting them read your, your corporate documents. Are they likely to actually understand from that, you know, and come, right. come up with the right things? So, no, it, it's curated information, basically. So while we can learn from, you know, natural language, an unstructured uh, text, uh, typically you don't really want to do that. I mean, with, you know, the, the large customers that we're working with, uh, in fact, they don't even want Igor to generate too much of uh, have too much flexibility in generating output in natural language generation because everything has to go past their marketing department and past their legal department. Right. You know, so that what Igor says is is really uh, quite quite constrained. So both on the input side of what you feed Igor and what Igor outputs uh, in practical applications, you actually there's a lot of quality. There's a lot of human in the loop, basically. Yeah. But you do you it once. You do it once. You know, you do it once, and then it's there. It's there. You almost want to create a legal IGO where you can pass it by, <laughs> pass it by the legal IGO, and, and uh, just have that like as a lawyer uh, avatar for the organization, and just feed stuff through, make it go faster than. Uh, absolutely, to absolutely. I mean, that's one of the applications we, um, and, you know, you mentioned that we actually uh, did exactly that, where we started lead, uh, reading through legal documents that um, as an assistant in a very, very large one of the top uh, law firms in the country. Um, so they, they have you know, hundreds of, so probably thousands of associates. And so when they get a contract with a very large client of theirs, like you know, Apple or, or whatever, um, just the contract they have with that, com- with that company uh, could be 150 pages. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. can we use interns for that? Can we charge for that? You know, where do we store our data and all of that? And that's all in that in that document. So we basically had Igor read the document uh, and build a knowledge graph of that. And you could then ask questions, uh, ask questions about it. 
And we did that as a, a sort of a, a development project and we could do that. Um, it's just the amount of human um, quality assurance that the answers are correct and that IGO understood everything, that IGO has enough background information, uh, it's quite expensive. So you have to have an application where, you know, the, 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 we're basically much better projects with better ROI than, uh, than right. that particular project. So with that, that, that makes me think that uh, there's those people who say, oh, no, this is terrible. They're okay, because we're not, we're not going to be unleashing AGIs all over the place anytime soon, right? There's still, there's still lots of limitations. Correct. It sounds like there's a financial limitation saying there's, it's still cheaper to hire a lawyer than it is to bring IGO in to, to be your lawyer. So mm -hmm. is there, are there other things that we can say to sort of placate those people who are freaking out about AI? Well, I think I think it's a little disingenuous to for me for me to say something like that because while that is true today, I mean right now we yes it's cheaper, but you know yeah. we're a tiny company, uh, we we're just starting out to to really commercialize this in big scale, and these kind of legal applications are you know absolutely possible. Um, mm -hmm. The the core I go needs to be needs to have a bigger ontology that there's less you have to to teach it uh, our tools need to need to get better we need to have more of an ecosystem of experts different experts i mean for example we weren't legal experts if you know yeah. we had if we had a team that both know igo technology and know the legal aspects of it they could also um, you know, would cost less, it would be faster for them to, to get IGO to a place where it can, can do that. So, you know, it, it, th that will happen. I don't really see, see the limitations of that. So I think one really has to, it, it's going to happen, basically. You know, there's, there's, there's no, no doubt about it. And it's more a, a question of saying, is that a good or a bad, a bad thing? And what are the likely implications, you know? I would say it's always a good thing. The question is when, right? It's always a question of when. When when are these things going to happen? Because they they all will eventually happen. We just yeah. we just have no idea exactly when they're going to when they're going to happen. But it sounds like you you've you've guys you have made some progression towards sort of like a true AGI that you can just sort of feed unstructured data to. Yeah. Uh, how far away would you say that is? So I'll always answer that question. That is not a matter of time. It's a matter of dollars. <laughs> Uh, I mean, a billion dollars away, a trillion dollars away. <laughs> yeah, less less than a trillion for uh, in, in my mind, quite a lot less than a trillion. Um, and I mean, the reason for that is, you know, we've been working on it with a relatively small team. Um, you know, I've commercialized it, but uh, up to now, we haven't had that sort of people just throwing money at us, and you know, that we can can hire. <laughs> Uh, you know, thousands and thousands of people to work on it. I mean, to put it into perspective, Amazon, I believe, have 10,000 people working on Alexa. Wow. You That's know? amazing. Yeah. And uh, it's still terrible. I know. <laughs> so if you don't have the right approach, if you don't have the right, uh, you know, architecture, then that that is, that is a problem. So clearly, uh, more people have to work on the right approach to make that happen. And the more people work on it, the quicker it's gonna happen. Now, it could happen in less than 10 years for sure in my mind, mm -hmm. but you know that depends on whether we stay stuck in the deep learning machine learning groove. And at the moment, it looks like we are stuck in that, that groove. Um, I mean, you know, Microsoft still invested a billion dollars 
last year in open AI and deep learning, machine learning. Um, Google is still, you know, funding uh, uh, DeepMind, you know, what, 600 PhD level uh, people, you know, really deep learning, machine learning. So the people in charge, basically, you know, their, their mindset is it's all about big data, it's machine learning, deep learning. And I don't, you know, these big oil tankers aren't going to change direction uh, uh, very yeah. soon. And and it's it's much worse than that because um, just as, as, an, uh, as an anecdote, we had a, a, a brilliant intern from Germany working for us and he really got the AGI cognitive architecture thing was really great. And then he went back to Germany to do his PhD. Now he couldn't get a sponsor for anything cognitive architecture mm. related. So he ended up doing his PhD in deep learning and, uh, you know, now another brilliant person who could work on this lost, Jeez. you know, lost to us. So you, you, so problem. How, do you yeah. how do you convince people that this is the better approach? Um, well, uh, two, two ways uh, and, and they converging. I just don't know how long it's going to take. So the one is more and more people are realizing what the limitations are of deep learning, machine learning. And um, in fact, even Demis Asabi, so the, the, you know, the CEO of, of DeepMind, uh, as long as three years ago already, he said, deep learning is definitely not going to get us to real AI. Mm -hmm. But they also don't have a plan B. You know, there's so much momentum and the people they've hired are all st statistics experts and, you know, deep learning, machine learning experts. So, uh, yes, it's a cultural problem. So in academia, you basically can't get traction there. You, you can't get any papers published. If it's not deep learning, machine learning, you Jeez. can't get a sponsor. And then, of course, from an investment point of view, you know, people will look at our approach and say, oh, this makes a lot of sense. But then, uh, yeah, well, let me check with my AI expert. And of course, what is the AI expert? He's a deep learning, machine learning expert, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and then they'll come back with things. Well, if your approach is so good, then why, why isn't Google, and, you know, why aren't Google and Amazon and IBM and Microsoft doing it, you know? Um, it's it's and, nuts. And, and, I mean, these just, people are supposed to be innovators and they're supposed right. to be seeing, like, uh, you know, unearthing innovative thinking. And here's an innovation right in front of right. them. And they're still, right. you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so it's a convergence on the one hand, uh, more and more people realizing what the limitations are as powerful as machine learning is. It has clear limitations and that that's becoming more and more obvious. And then on the other hand, can we show demonstrate, you know, in practical terms, not just on sort of theoretical and toy problems, can we can we demonstrate that our technology really can solve problems uh, well and it's scalable and all of that. And, you know, that's what we're in the process of, of doing now that we started, uh, launched our commercialization. So do you have a like a grand experiment that you're working on to present that or is it just going to be these? It's, like, it's incremental. I mean, we have okay. we've we have a lot of uh, during our development phase, we developed a lot of demos that uh, that show just how powerful the system is. And I mean, on our website, we have a, a comparison to Alexa, you know, literally using Alexa and then using Alexa microphone and speaker, but hooked up to our brain. And it's, you know, right. like day and night. But mm -hmm. of course, that's not a full commercial system. You know, people say, okay, can I try it? You know, no. I mean, there's a huge, there's only a very small subset of the ontology that we were able to actually build, you know, for that. But it's not hard coded. It's actually using our technology. You know, it's not a scripted or mock-up mock demo. But still, you know, to 
to to have that there's definitely still takes a leap of faith to go from you know a, a prototype that has limited functionality using our approach to really seeing it work you know at scale in the wild and that's what we're right now in the process with uh, several large uh, customers that we're implementing and going live with so hopefully that that'll help but you know in parallel we can continue improving the brain well it sounds to me that there's it's still not sort of self propelled right you still have to do a lot of work to get to the point where it's actually usable i mean how far away are we from a point where you can actually just like set it free and have it do its own thing, like yeah. learn on its own. Well, that's basically an AI complete problem or an AGI complete problem. Right. Um, because it has to have human level intelligence basically to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because as long as you need a human in the, in the loop, I mean, you would need to basically have the AI then talk to the legal department and the marketing department and say, hey, here, this is what I'm proposing. Do you like it? And then would say no. And then Iger would argue like we now do. Well, you know, if you change the language to that, you're really crippling the functionality of the system. You know, if you're going to insist on saying your business is important to us, you know, please carefully listen to the uh, our menu options have changed, you know, please carefully listen to, you know, the 10 different options we have, you know, if you really insist on putting that in, you're going to cripple it, you know, so you, you'd have to have I go smart enough to have those kind of debates or with the security system saying, you know, no, they won't let I go have access to the internet. We don't do that, you know, and say, so, well, yeah. if we don't have access to the internet, we can't do a Google search and give the customer answers from that, you know, um, and then, you know, so no, it's it, to, to truly get to a point where uh, IGO can it, install itself and mm -hmm. learn by itself um, is basically when I don't have a job anymore. <laughs> you know. Well, I'm not trying to take you out of a job. I'm just saying that, yeah, you know, yeah. no, that it, like the holy it, grail. Yeah. yeah. Is so, to... so it's really, re you know, to be realistic about it, there is so much of negotiations that go on with you know clients to integrate the system into their into their stack of what features they want what features they don't want what their business rules are which what what makes sense uh, what apis are actually available you know what apis are coming what functionality can you enable now um, all of that uh, you know this is is just part and parcel of the Im implementation um, so you know our approach to that is to improve the tools that we have to do that uh, tremendously. And, you know, we already over the last few years, uh, we've easily seen one order of magnitude and improvement, you know, whereas something that might have taken, you know, uh, three weeks now takes two days. And we see there are lots of improvements that we can still think of that'll take it from, you know, two days to a few hours and, and so on. Um, and, and of course, as the library grows as well of, uh, of ontology, sub ontologies uh, and APIs and applications and so on, um, obviously that it becomes uh, easier and easier to, to, to do these things. Are there any specific use cases or industries that are more well suited to using iGo for? Well, at the moment, be because the implementations are non-trivial, uh, it's you know, it's, it's really, um, it, there has to be a fairly high volume 
of similar similar kind of uh, interaction, similar kind of support mm-hmm. that you're providing sales or support or or if it's diabetes management or if it's a sales assistant, you have to have enough you know salespeople or people with diabetes to to do that. And then then of right. course quite quite naturally it it has to be something between what a simple chatbot can do. I mean, if you say, give me my account balance, okay, you know, any chatbot can do that. So, um, but on the other hand, it can't be where you need a human to to solve a problem, you know, that requires a lot of judgment or empathy or hard selling or or, or whatever. Uh, When are you going to build the empathy chip into it? Come on, (laughs) that's coming soon, right? (laughs) Yeah, well... um, (laughs) <laughs> can go horribly wrong, you know, in terms of uh, just how hard you want to push it, you know, in terms of yeah. <laughs> whether you've got the right cues and the right common sense to say, well, is this a tragedy or is it a comedy, you know, or, yeah, yeah. you know, what is That's going to be tough. We're not, we're, I don't think AGI is anywhere near figuring that out yet. No, no. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we're getting there. We do some of that and, you know, it, it'll get better and better. But there are so many applications right now where people are trying to use chatbots or trying to automate, you know, either phone uh, that, that, that really uh, can be automated very successfully if you have, you know, some, some brain power there, if you have, you know, memory and reasoning and, and, and so on. So lots, lots of applications um, but, you know, my, my ultimate goal is to have your personal assistant, uh, and we actually call that a personal, personal assistant. <laughs> and so do you have a, do you have that on your website now? I could try it out like no, personal, no, personal really. assistant. No, or? that's no, again, as I mentioned, because of the broad range of knowledge of ontology that you would really expect for this to be uh, useful is something we, you know, we're a few years away f- from that and <clears throat> doing these more constrained um, uh, applications right now helps us to build up this, this repertoire of, of knowledge and quite frankly, the, the, the dollars we need to grow our team uh, to, you know, to, to develop something. But um, the, the reason we call it a personal, personal assistant is we think that's the next revolution that's, um, that's coming where the word personal, it should actually be personal, personal, personal assistant. There's three important meanings. You want it personal that it's yours. You own it. It serves your purpose, not some mega corporation's purpose. So it's yep. your agenda. That's the first personal. The second, it's hyper-personalized to you. It's customized to you. You know, it's, it's not a one size fits all. Uh, it knows about you. It knows your history and, and so on. And then the third personal is the privacy issue. It's a personal, you know, personal thing. And you can decide what you want to share with whom. And I think, you know, everybody would love to have this kind of personal assistant that they own and is hyper-personalized, is intelligent. Um, and I think people would be quite willing to pay for that. You know, so right now you're selling your soul. You're getting it for free, yeah. but you're selling your soul. So if you had a personal assistant that you're not selling your soul, you own it. It serves your agenda, and you know we'll 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 get there. And um, they're, they're in fact some of the commercial applications that we have right now uh, are sort of a stepping stone in that direction. Because if you have a diabetes management uh, assistant, then you know you can slowly increase it and say, well, manage my calendar as well, you know, and reminders and. And, and do things, or if you have a personal assistant at work to help you manage Salesforce, then again, it's a small step to manage some of your uh, 
private affairs as well. You know, your calendar will then, okay, remind me to pick up the kids on the way home, you know, or can my, yeah. my wife also have an I go that, you know, my partner can have an I go so that yeah. we can coordinate our schedules and stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, no, I, I was actually writing something, something like this um, years ago for the IFTF about how, if you think about where our virtual assistants are now, they're all beholden to major corporations, right? Amazon or Google or Apple, they have to know everything about us to be able to provide what they have. But so we don't have anybody right. on our side. There's no personal right. assistant who we personal own personal and assistant. fighting for us and is keep right. and is keeping our data safe, right? right? I want my assistant to negotiate with mm -hmm. Google or Amazon's, you know, virtual assistant. I don't want to just you know give That's my exactly right. give my data That's to. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, and it can then interface with different APIs and, you know, different assistants, but it serves your agenda, not some mega corporations. Yeah. And right now, all of the assistants that you have, if you're using, you know, Google Assistant, but you're also using Alexa, these are all siloed, you know, and they don't talk to each other, which I mean, you don't want them to talk to each other. But if you say, hey, I'm going on vacation next week, you know, ideally, your, your, you know, your partner's iPhone, your Google and Amazon like should all know about it, you know, but yeah, the right way to do well, it. And, and then my assistant, my personal, personal, my P3 assistant should be yeah. able to give whatever information it needs to, but no more, right? Exactly. Unlike what we're, what we're seeing today. Right. But my, my sense is, is that we're not going to see this because there's no huge money in it. I mean, how are we going to fund something like this? How do we get there people? There's huge, huge money in it. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, people, you, it's like, would you be, would you be willing to go? Would you be willing to pay twenty dollars a month for that? Oh, I would absolutely. Okay, so set well, it up, man. I want it now. All right, you've just answered <laughs> your question. People will be very happy. I mean, you know, you're currently paying, you know, hundred, two hundred dollars for your phone. You know, to pay. Yeah, no, no, I guess my question is, what what do we have to do to get from where we are now to the point where I can sign up on the iGo website uh, for my twenty dollar P P three yeah. assistant? which will be able to do all this interfacing with all these other bots. Fund our company. <laughs> What's the thing? How much do you need? I mean, I'll, crowd, I'll whip up a crowdsourcing thing. I mean, I think well, that there's a huge... A hundred million? A hundred million crowd, crowdsourcing. Is that all? <laughs> well, that, 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 would get us, uh, that would get us a long, long way. I mean, you know, we're currently 25 people. Uh, mm -hmm. we probably will double... But, you know, it's it, that's small, you know, not going to do it with 50 well, that's people. The, that's the yeah. thing that I'm concerned yeah. about is that, I mean, where is the funding going to come from? Because I know your, your regular individual on the street who's understands they don't want to be beholden to the major corporate. Uh, but on the other hand, it's like they're almost wait, they're almost sitting there waiting for somebody to come in and yeah. put down a pile of cash for, for you guys to no, we'll, to we'll, build we'll do it and we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And we'll raise yeah. that kind of money. I mean, we just, yeah. we need to do the commercial. Uh, we need to focus on the commercial side first. You know, that's where sure. obvious, obvious money is uh, and grow as a company. And, you know, as soon as we are uh, Decacorn, you know, we'll just fund it ourselves. <laughs> Keep fighting for the little guy, man. That's, that's exactly what I'm for. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we we all have to we have to go up against these these mega corps well, and build our own bots that are are on our side. I am yeah, totally up to that. Absolutely, you know. But it's it's exactly the, the big companies aren't going to give us that. I mean, they built on advertising. That's their model. Um, yeah. Well, in Apple's case, it's their hardware that their walled walled garden. You know that you locked into. But still, they're not going to open open up their their ecosystem. 
Um, but like all major innovation, it's not the big companies that do it. You know, I mean, it's like who would ever have thought that tiny little Amazon could possibly compete against uh, Barnes and Noble, you know, or exactly little startup. Do you remember Facebook. that picture of Jeff Bezos at his desk mm -hmm. with a little banner? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen right. that. It's just so yeah. hokey. But that was 20 years ago, you know, and now yeah. look at the, look at look at where they are now. So it's insane. Right, right. Yeah. Well, speaking so, of 20 years ago, let's t let's go into the future. It's 2031. Um, where will we be? I mean, are we? Is this going to actually be realized 10 years from now? I believe so. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, I believe so. Um, so conversational AI is actually relatively easy compared to you know full robotics. You know, having the sort of uh, you know your butler, you know robot oh, yeah, butler yeah. that can do everything because robotics is hard. Um, you know, to have the sort of sense acuity and dexterity of humans and the robustness and the common sense uh, to not break things, you know, big time. Um, but it'll follow, you know, it's the same technology that, that, that will follow. But uh, improving conversational AI with the approach that, that we have with the cognitive architecture of the brain, um, yeah, we, we see a very clear path uh, forward. And, you know, we've been improving the brain now. Um, um, the first generation I commercialized in, in the call center space with voice uh, in 2008. And, um, you know, we now we've just launched the second generation. The difference this time is we are going to be developing the third, fourth, fifth generation and so on as, as part of our development of part of our commercialization. Whereas in the previous commercialization effort, we were sort of stuck in the first generation and all of our energy went into, we hosted, had a SaaS service and hosted our own data, created our own data center. So all of our energy went into HIPAA compliance and scalability, redundancy, you know, security and, and, and things like that. So we, we structure the company differently and investors we have uh, is that we can, you know, very aggressively continue to uh, crank up the IQ while we're commercializing. Yeah, it's interesting you should mention that uh, robotics piece because I, I, I think you're 100% right. It's it's like there's certain tasks that humans can do really well and certain tasks that machines can do really well. And we're going to get to this point where we'll we'll have an economy where there's some kind of dispatching layer which will go, okay, human, do this. Okay, machine, do that. Mm -hmm. And then... And then that's how we'll, we'll get paid because, you know, we'll be walking down the street and there's something, a task a human will have to do. And I'll be told, hey, we'll do this task and earn X amount of money. I mean, do you see that as a, as a possibly coming out of this? Yes. I mean, um, often, often people talk about, you know, that sort of highly intelligent jobs will be the kind of the first to go, you know, uh, right. sorry, the last, the last to go, you know, that the sort of low, um, lower um, intellectual jobs will will be automated first but no it's the opposite it's electricians yeah. and plumbers that'll be the last ones to be replaced because of the you know dexterity sense security common sense knowledge that you you need to have but yes the, the switching between what what robots can do and what a human can do uh, we're already seeing this uh, in in contact centers now where you can sort of have a tango between Okay, mm -hmm. Igor will handle this. Now there's something that requires some judgment or you know needs to be taken up with discussed with the supervisor. So you hand it over to a human, they get that sorted out or answer that question, and then come back to Igor to basically you know take the payment or complete the transaction or, or whatever it might be. 
And so, yeah, I see a lot more of, of that, that sort of interaction happening. And this is seamless to the customer, so they have no idea that it's bouncing back and forth? Well, actually, they should have an idea according to, to my ethics. Uh, and it's, it's one of the things we often debate with customers. Uh, often customers say, I want your bot to sound just like a human. You know, I want it to fake human things that the customer thinks they're talking to a human. I think that's wrong. I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, I think the customer should know when they're talking to a bot and when they're talking to a human. And, you know, so that's one of the, one of the debates we, we have. Um, but then you might end up passing somebody back and forth between bot and human, right? Yeah, but yeah. people just want to get stuff done. You know, that's sort of yeah. often, often the marketing department has this idea, you know, that you have to have this uniform experience and the customer shouldn't know or whatever. But they don't, they know. I mean, the interaction is not the same. You start talking about your, you want to start talking about your grandkids and, you know, what, whatever, you yeah. know, do you really want to train your bot to then, you know, tell, tell the person that they also love their grandchildren, you know, I also love his grandchildren. Or, or I almost whatever. think that there's a, there's a, an ulterior motive there to let's yeah. see if we can eliminate the human completely, right? Is there a way to eliminate the human completely? And I don't think we should, we should obviously not, not do that. It's more of a centaur approach where, you know, the human and the AI working together to yeah. help the customer complete the task. I mean, that's exactly where it should go. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but typically when people are, are calling into, uh, into a company to get something done, they really just want to get it done. I mean, there, there are exceptions. Yeah. There are people who are lonely and they just want to talk to somebody. But then the people in the call center aren't paid to just talk to somebody. You know? Yeah, and they're going, how am I going to get this person off the phone? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I, there's a very, very sad story I can tell that in, um, you know, in my, my first commercial AI company, uh, one of the applications was that we actually automated taking orders for inmates in prisons. Mm. And when they were allowed to go to a telephone, they would call into iGo repeatedly just to be able to have a conversation with a bot, you know, wow. uh, quite, quite, quite sad. So, yeah, I mean, that's also when, as we progress, having Igo as a psychologist and ultimately your personal, yeah. personal assistant is your angel on your shoulder, you know, that can yeah. tell yeah. you, Hey, wait, just maybe you want to sleep on this, you know, before you, whatever, you know, before you, you, you put a, put all your money into Bitcoin or. Yeah, exactly. Tell me, yeah. it looks like you're walking into Starbucks. You said you weren't going to buy Starbucks anymore. Turn like, turn around. Yeah, <laughs> Stop doing yeah. that. Right. <laughs> So, you know, we'll, we'll get there as well, where I, I think it'll actually tremendously improve the human condition by us having um, a hyper-personalized, hyper-intelligent assistant, you know, advisor, helper uh, that, that we, that, you know, all 7 billion people can hopefully have. No, I'd love to have that as long as I'm the one telling it what to, what <laughs> I should be doing as opposed to Google or, or Apple or Facebook. Yeah, or no, ab absolutely. I, I mean, uh, you know, one of our corporate absolutes is we, we will not sell, you know, we will not get into advertising and sell data and, and that that will not be our revenue model. It's just we won't yeah. do it, you know. But it's okay if my wife programs it, though. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> She programs your IGO. Yeah. It's okay. I'll let her program my IGO. So it's yeah, okay. Yeah, well, that's as long as you give her permission. Uh, you, can, you can do that. Yeah. 
Right. Sounds good. All right. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Uh, yeah, our website, igo.ai, A-I-G-O.ai. And there are links to a couple of videos and actually quite a few articles. In fact, all of my articles, most of my articles are on medium.com. You can find Excellent. them there, but they're also linked from, from our website and can easily get hold of me. I'm, you know, on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn and or just Peter at igo.ai. Fantastic. Well, I'll definitely look forward to that. And I definitely want to, to sign up for the P3 as soon as it's available. If I can help you in the, any way, I will. So <laughs> I will, I will, I will look right. into that. Awesome. Okay, great. Thank you Thank so you. much. It was great talking with you. Right. Talk to you yeah. soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.